Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. Salutations, gentle listeners. Welcome to the 28th episode of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast that is 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. This is the second episode of February 2011, and the main event just happens to be a Daikaiju discussion for a long-time fan favorite, Terror of Mechagodzilla. And wow, did we get a lot of fan uh, submissions here. Clearly, this one lives in a fair amount of collections, and uh, we will dive into that momentarily, but we're going to go ahead and, as usual, get started with some requests. This one goes out to Tom. It is Kazama's Sacrifice from Godzilla Final Wars.
right, for those keeping track out there, I just played uh, several requests, starting with Kazama's Sacrifice from Godzilla Final Wars for Tom. And um, I think that's the right song. Not really sure he requested something. Uh, the request was for the song playing when the ship drills into the alien ship when the Gotengo attacks. And that was the closest thing I could find. If it's not Tom, um, all I can say is yar. And additionally, the second song was Godzilla on the Ocean Floor from the original Godzilla for Jason. Uh, followed that up with Mothra versus We Are Scientists by We Are Scientists for Tito. And then uh, the last song was Jet Jaguar by The Nick Adams, requested by Ryan. Once again, class, it is time for our Daikaiju discussions. Every month, the Kaiju cast will showcase one particular film from the giant monster landscape and task the listeners with submitting thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following episode. Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one movie to each month, guaranteeing that this podcast is just going to keep on going for a very long time. This month's film is the 1975 Terror of Mechagodzilla. A few interesting points about this film that I learned from this month. After the nominal success of the previous film, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, Toho brought back two heavy hitters of the Godzilla franchise, director Ishiro Honda and composer Akira Fukube. As a publicity stunt, Toho also solicited story ideas from the general public. And Yukiko Takayama was not only chosen as the writer, but also contracted to um, actually write the full script. Also, I had always assumed that Haruo Nakajima played Godzilla throughout the entire Showa series from 1954 to 1975, and I was surprised to learn that Toru Kawai played our hero in this film and that Nakajima hadn't actually played Godzilla since the 1972 Godzilla vs. Gigan. So, there you go. I see, I don't know everything about this stuff. Uh, the film was released here in America by Henry Saperstein, but in order to earn a G rating, he removed a lot of the violence and uh, the shot of Katsura on the operating table for uh, <clears throat> obvious reasons. Uh, additionally, this film seems to have had a really hard time getting released in its original format due to the companies it was licensed to and the different edits that were made throughout the years. If you want to read up on all that stuff, I highly suggest checking out Steve Rifle's book, Japan's Favorite Monstar. It's a great read and has a ton of helpful information. Anyway, as usual, I invited the local KaijuCast guests back to the headquarters here, and we watched this cinematic classic. Joining me in the KaijuCast headquarters tonight, we have Cindy and Martin, and for uh, those of you who are not familiar with their voices, Heather and Justin, who are just on the last episode of the KaijuCast. We all sat around here and watched the 1975 Terror of Mechagodzilla, which... Uh, is again not not my favorite era of Godzilla movies, but all the same, it's on the list, and we're going to talk about it. Martin has the microphone right now, so hey, man. Uh, obviously, you'd never seen this before, so tell me your thoughts. What do you think about this? Compare it to the last one we saw uh, together, which was um, the previous film, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. So yes, we we did see that one, and uh, compare it to it. Um, they, they were both very interesting, uh, both uh, admittedly very fun to watch. I, you know, I've, again, this is one of those things where I could punch lots of holes in it and I'm kind of letting all of that go because it's just a lot more fun to sit back and experience it. But it was, it, it, it was kind of kooky. 
<laughs> the 70s movies have the kooky vibe. Yeah. Um, and like I was saying before, like a lot of these films really have, a lot of the 70s films have, have a, a diehard audience out there who really love them because that's those are the movies they grew up with. And I didn't have that. And so these movies, I enjoyed them as Godzilla films and I liked them a lot. And that includes Terror of Mechagodzilla. But I don't feel the same love for them that I do as for like Mothra versus Godzilla or even the Heisei movies, which are the ones that I sort of discovered in the 90s after I had gotten the internet. I just, to me, these movies, the 70s films, they represent sort of a, a not so great time in Toho filmmaking. And I think it really, really comes across in the, not just the film itself and the plot, but like the actual process of the filmmaking as well, like the editing specifically. And like we were talking about with the, um, in the last episode and with the the last film, like this extreme zooms and the quick jump cuts. And like this one had like the weird uh, gardener guy watching Katsura talking to the, the the biologist. And he was just like, it was just jump cuts, really. Yeah, there was there was oddities about that. And I, and I actually have a question. Um, so the... Uh, the professor, the the scientist, Mufune was was Mufune's research on whether or not there were large dinosaur-like creatures. Was his research on that he could actually create one, or was his research on that he could control them? Because I kind of got a little confused as to what exactly he his research was that he supposedly they, they didn't believe in. So his research went from uh, creating undersea farms. Got to that. controlling undersea life. Mm-hmm. And then I think the way I interpreted it is that while he was doing that research, he discovered the dinosaur and then uh, nobody believed him. And then because he was working on controlling undersea life, he then went to go control the dinosaur. Because I, 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 I was I was a little confused on that's what, what I, I mean. Exactly. Yeah. The, some of it's kind of confusing, but uh, that's what I would say the deal is there. Heather. Hello. So my biggest problem, I would say, with this was just the uh, the scenario that they didn't believe him about the dinosaurs, considering how many times, and I mentioned this during the movie, at this point, how many times has Godzilla or other large monsters, giant monsters, if you will, attacked various cities here yeah. and they and they don't believe the guy. I mean, maybe <laughs> if it was you know fifty years ago and he was saying this, then okay, they don't believe the guy. But but now, oh yeah, there's Godzilla and all those other creatures. But no, this guy's crazy. Yeah, and they laughed him out of wherever he was. Well, at this point, had Godzilla been attacking Tokyo for fifteen years? Because it was fifteen years previous that they had booted him out. So in this time frame, has who's fast at math? <laughs> 75 minus 15 that's that's 1960 yes, but, yes. so but, yes so yes okay I, I i wasn't sure if in this in this uh set of movies time frame if he had been around for 15 years or if he's only attacked tokyo twice now well if it was 1960 then he would have attacked tokyo twice or he would have attacked japan twice but they also uh, he had and there were flashbacks because they had king Ghidra. They had uh, right, but what Justin's uh, talking about, and that was for everybody at home. That was Justin talking. Uh, what Justin was mentioning was that 
15 years ago when Mifune was laughed out of the university. Right. That was... But they had only had a few. But the biologist, remember, the biologist was making a really big deal out of like, your father was right. Your father was right. And it's like, yes. well, he was right about the fish one. But I think we've pretty well been hit by the other half dozen, you know, that yeah. <laughs> prove well, that think, they're around. I, I, I don't know. The whole thing with uh, Mifune is, you know, I, and I know you guys might not recognize him, but Cindy, who is also here, did you, you know who that was playing that role, right? That, that was uh, Samuel Clemens. No. <laughs> it, no. Oh. For all the nerds out there, that's Mark Twain. I was say, is okay. The stage, stage name, right? So, so uh, that was the same guy that played. Um, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have trouble remembering his name. But it's the same guy who played uh, Doctor in the very first Godzilla movie. Dr. Sarazawa. So, did you recognize him? I mean, he as, looked really familiar. Even though he had like the classic yeah. Yeah. mad scientist look to him with the the white lab hair coat that's kind of the, standing exactly. out and yeah. Big bushy mustache. Like, or yeah. or the uh professor jacket with the with the tan patches on the, <laughs> <laughs> on the sleeves on the elbows, yeah. Um so I mean, Cindy, you you'd seen this one before, right? Yes. Yes. Like a lot or at least three other times, um, twice subtitled. Only one other time I've actually watched the dub version. I've never seen the subtitled version of this movie, actually, even though I've had it for a year and a half. Someday it's on the list. It's just like so far down the list of where, you know, movies (laughs) I want to watch that. I just don't have the need to watch the subtitled version. I want to see the differences in the, in the in the versions because I know the the Japanese one does not have that whole thing at the beginning uh recapping the origins of Godzilla, which for the listeners out there we watched the classic media DVD release um that came out of maybe 4 years ago and it has the both the Japanese and the uh English versions, but the English version is the one that say Henry Saperstein uh, released yes. and uh, it had like a six minute intro describing the origins of Godzilla and it was interesting to see again but it's totally superfluous to any of the the actual film because it was never in the original so did you uh, I mean this does this film hold up for you do you have a lot of nostalgic love for terror of Mechagodzilla well most of the 70s films for me are nostalgic because that's the stuff I grew up watching um most of it I saw subtitled the first time. And I remember trying to keep up with the subtitles sometimes when I was a kid was tough. I poked my dad, <laughs> what the, what are they saying? <laughs> well, you know, we can't, we, some people here just don't like to read. We, we voted at the beginning and we all voted to watch the, uh, to watch the dubbed version. And to be honest, I don't, I don't, again, I don't really feel like I need to watch the subtitled version. And I, I, I do like, the dubbed versions because those are the ones that I've seen. And so while they don't have like a childhood nostalgia for me, they do remind me of the first time I saw the film. Well, the dubbed ones actually have their own little charm, if you want to call it that. And as we were just saying, like the same people that dubbed this movie are the same people that dubbed a lot of the Kung Fu films that I've seen. A lot of the same voice actors. And so um, like... Specifically, I remember there's uh, when the guys are asking around at the dock where Mufune's house is, and you get the the kind of heavyset dude fisherman guy 
Right, and, and his wife, this, yeah. And his wife. Like, both of those voices, for sure, I know I've heard in at least three different kung fu films. <laughs> for sure. Um, but uh, this movie, uh, as you know, as I like to kind of complain about the 70s films, this movie um, came after Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, and this was um, sort of Toho saying, oh, you know, we did pretty well with that movie, so why don't we bring back Ishiro Honda, who did the directing, and um, we'll bring back Kara Ifukube, who did the score. And so they made a bigger deal of it. And I think that the, what I was reading about it is that they didn't expect this to be the last film of the Showa era, but because this film didn't do as well as they wanted to, they just canned Godzilla for the next 10 or years or whatever. Let's, uh, let's hear from Heather and Justin a little bit more. Maybe Justin, because he's talked very little. So how do you now, like this now, one compared to... Super pressure. Uh, what do you think of this one compared to like the last Mechagodzilla film we watched? I, I think I actually like the last one better. Um, this one, I don't know. It was it was the story felt slower. It it didn't have as it, I, I I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. But I think the the last one was better than this one. But uh, I I did recognize Honda and that that brought great joy to my heart because because he of course is my favorite godzilla director since he's the one that i can remember um <laughs> he's your favorite of all time it's that's, so awesome that's right so cool um uh i don't know like what do you guys have any questions about the film like as as we were watching it, i know we had we had some lovely ribbing back and forth as <laughs> As the the film entertained us i i believe your your son's quote about the uh the german officer was was the best part of the the film yeah the liberties that one might take while voice acting a dubbed movie is is you know infinite you can go any way with that maybe not infinite but they that dude chose the german voice <laughs> <laughs> and i guess the germans were allied with the space aliens at some point during world <laughs> war ii as you know i do enjoy the cheese level of the 70s movies and so i was definitely a vote for the dubbed version because it just i think it just goes along with you know we're talking about the the various you know the style of the the filming and it just the the level of cheese in the 70s movies is very high between the costuming and the and the film you know the film style and and the fight sequences and oh oh yes oh the, the fight, fight sequences, sequences yes and uh, and for that I don't know that I would say that I like this one more than the first. Uh, there, there's different qualities to both of them, but I, uh, I really, I really like seeing the the costumes or possibly what they showed up on set in. I'm not really, you know, without not <laughs> like not necessarily the, the spacemen, yeah. but the uh, you know, but just the like you were commenting about the you know the patch. You know, there there's this one scene where we've got we've got two people in almost identical tweed jackets and. It's kind of funny because she, the the woman, seemed like she was sort of pining after the guy. So I had this thought that maybe she, you know, see, look, I've got a coat like yours. We've got so much in common, kind of thing. But maybe they just both showed up in it, and they're like, ah, just go with it. I liked her like little Red Riding Hood cape that she had. Yes, the, that was like, nice. That was that was, that was interesting. That was with good. a black trim hood. Well, it's her it's, it's her going out hot. coat, you know. It's, it's hitting the town. And then she came back home, and she was in that same like drab, fancy clothing. Right, I but think she just wears that for her dad, though. Yeah, but I, I really, I really like the, I, I mean, just you know, the hair and the, and and just the costumes, just everything, you know, the the cheese level of the '70s ones, because I'm a big kung fu, 
fan. And, and so it just really makes me think of those movies. And so I really like the 70s movies for that. Yeah, I really like um, the Interpol agent that had the, the lobster tie. The lobster tie, the lobster yes. Tie. That was good. Um, so let's see. I do have some more notes here. Cindy and Martin have seen Biollante. And you guys remember how Biollante was a contest that Toho held to see if somebody could come up with a good Godzilla story. And so this is the same kind of thing. There was a woman named Yukiko Takayama, and she was the winner. And not only did they use her concept, but they actually hired her to write the script for the film. It's one of those things where I don't really, I don't know if that, if that really is apparent when you're watching it, because it still seems very much like a Godzilla film. But uh, I guess her big contribution um, and something that she was really adamant stayed in the film was that Katsura stayed um, an emotional human in the end. So that's, you know, she said in an interview, as long as they keep her uh, her feelings in the film, she didn't really care what Toho did with the rest of the story. Thoughts, Martin, with the microphone. Oh, I have many, <laughs> many thoughts. Um, I'm I'm curious about Toho's fascination with subs. Um, well, I think that's con- that's like uh sort of like a control situation. You know, they already know how to replicate um underwater scenes and mm-hmm. with special effects, and they're very good at making submarines. It was uh I have to tell you the the way the story is and the title of the movie. You know, it's Terror of Mechagodzilla, and Mechagodzilla really doesn't make that much of an appearance really until the end. Godzilla really only has himself only two appearances, one that's really quick, and that's it. So it's it's really a, about, as far as a monster through most of this, it's Titanosaurus. Mm-hmm. And, and, even, and, and even less than that is that this was really... Um, there was a lot that was trying to ride on a story and character and all of that stuff. So it, it, it was kind of amazing to me that that seemed to be the place where it lacked the most, that it, it really wasn't very coherent through all of that stuff. And so I, and I don't know if that was a Toho decision, if they were trying to change their script as they were going, or if that was a first time script writer that wrote something or so it was, it, it, that was interesting to me to see. I, I wish I, I had an answer for that. Yeah, I don't know. I know they changed their script, but I mean, I, I, I know specifically they had to like whittle down some of the big effects sequences that were supposed to be in there. Like um, originally, one of your favorite monster things is there were two monsters, and they conglommed into one, and each of them was called Titan, and so they would, I guess, merge. But I guess Toho looked at that and said, "We can't make that <laughs> for the money that. that we have." And then um, another thing was that. Uh, all of Tokyo was going to be destroyed in this in the script, and um, they had to whittle that down to a large portion of a city. I uh, I often I uh, well, and I, and I made <laughs> right a, models, not the real thing. <laughs> not yeah, <laughs> they weren't really yeah. going to destroy Tokyo. <laughs> um, I often wonder about, uh, and I've noticed this in others, and this one it stood out big time. The aspect ratios between the city in the foreground and then when they do a, a screenshot or when they do their special effects shot as good as they can, monsters yeah. in the background. This one the was plates. way off. There are at least like four shots that, that they were zoomed in way too close to the monsters. 
And I think that when I saw that uh, when I was younger, I don't want to say as a kid because I didn't see it as a kid, but um, when I was younger and I saw that, I thought it was kind of cool because it made the monsters so massive and so much bigger than they they were in real life. Um, but yeah, that's that's somebody screwing up. That's not <laughs> that was yeah. not done on purpose. Well, I'm I'm sure, and that's the thing is, and like you said, it's a plate. So I'm wondering, you know, did someone look at that and go, oh, you know, there was something about their shot where they had to be zoomed in that close, or it just. You know, they they were pressed for time, and it's like, nope, we got to get it. That's good enough. I, I really wonder because, yeah, it was not only did they look ginormous, like way out of proportion for as huge as they should have been, but apparently they were also walking in a ditch. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I mean, honestly, if you, I think if you were to probably go back in time and see what was going on, I mean, it's the same thing that I would sort of assume that anybody that's got a collection of footage they're, they're using and compositing it with other footage, they might just like try and find the best thing that they've got. And yeah, unfortunately that might've been all they had, um, you know, by, by the time they get the film developed and yeah. And it was a shot they couldn't pull back on, you know, that was, or that was shoot again or something do. like yeah. that. Maybe. So, so yeah, the, that was, uh, that was, I think that's one of the flaws, but again, like when I saw it when I was younger, it didn't bother me so much, but seeing it with all my friends here definitely <laughs> sort of jogged my memory saying oh yeah that's that's right actually it one a long uh time ago back that long time like 2003 far far away a long time ago far far away uh i got into a conversation with somebody about um about godzilla scale and i was like very adamant i'm like oh no they they do a very good job of like making sure things are in scale and this, I was not talking about a movie from the 70s. I was talking about the um, Godzilla Mothra King Ghidra, which was shot in 2001. But uh, I I said that, and I, I was kind of talking off the top of my head, and I thought I thought that maybe I'd heard that somewhere. But <laughs> I watched the movie again like a couple of years later. I'm like, Godzilla's really, really big in that scene. <laughs> yeah, not so like, much. Really, really big. <laughs> like <laughs> People aren't ants. They're like pieces of a flea <laughs> so uh yeah I, that was that was ridiculous but i will say again their whole set thing and and lighting stuff on fire there's that scene i had said it during the movie where the guy is running in slow motion the, in the godzilla suit i think that he was really in character i think he was really on fire <laughs> or he, i know he was <laughs> i was impressed by that he was running toward yeah. the fire extinguisher yeah, that I, those and uh, we watched Destroy All Monsters a while ago where they're shooting just like must be hundreds of fireworks at the suits and you know at one point the Titanosaurus suit, as Heather mentioned, was on fire not just on fire, and Godzilla's suit was definitely on fire at one point but like the Titanosaurus suit was on fire right by where the dude's face would have been. That just doesn't seem like a safe place at all to be so and i and i think that that added some definite realism to to his to his actions there because he's swatting at the fire like one would be if one was on fire because that had to have been you know burning or at least smoldering in his eyes i mean it was literally right next to the the uh face 
screen or whatever yeah, you want to call it. Yeah, face the plate maybe. Face plate, know, yeah, yeah, right in the throat of the monster that was on fire, and he's backhanding it violently as it you know tries to burn his eyes. So that's that's some realism. You can't get that. Yeah, <laughs> noxious fumes. So, so as a as a big fan of fire and explosions, I've I've realized in this conversation what I enjoy about Godzilla movies is is their love of blowing crap up and lighting their actors on fire. <laughs> It's a safety thing. Safety third. Right? That's right. Well, yeah. Doesn't matter what the first two are, so long as safety is third. Right on. Well, let's uh, let's actually shift gears and talk a little bit about like monster design. Like, how did you guys feel about Titanosaurus? I, I think I, Heather's definitely got some something she I, wants yeah, to say, but but I got the mic. And okay. I'm, I'm I'm greedy that. So, way. how did you feel about Titanosaurus, Justin? Uh. I, I didn't like having a dinosaur. I, I like the the character the, the model. I like the way his head bobbed when he moved around and everything. But but I, I you know I wanted him to shoot laser beams out of his eyes and blow stuff up. The the fan tail was kind of weak sauce. And it's <laughs> <laughs> interesting you say it like that because uh, I think that a lot of people I don't have very much basis for this assumption, but I think maybe a lot of people might have been getting tired of beam firing monsters because this is a, this is the time in the seventies when those, not just the Godzilla movies and the Godzilla monsters and the Gamera films and, uh, other giant monster films have, you know, fire breathing and laser shooting and crazy weapon having monsters. But also you've got that going on in the TV shows like space giants and Ultraman and, uh, I think it was nice to have a monster that had some, it's a little more like Angulus where he doesn't have like a power. He's just, you know, he's just an animal. Yeah. Well, this, this is the only the fourth Godzilla movie I've, I've ever seen. So that's right. So, so uh, I, I am still enthralled with laser beams and fire breathing dragons. And I love laser beams. So, don't uh, get me wrong. I, I, I think there needs to be a Godzilla monster with a giant battle ax. If if they're gonna go oh away from- you need to see Gigan he hasn't <laughs> seen Gigan yet so Heather what do you think of uh, Mr Titanosaurus so I was I was actually or any of the monster design anything I was actually a little surprised that when he busted out the fan tail that Mechagodzilla didn't you know retaliate with the turbo head spin turning into the body vortex of of wind that is impenetrable because it seemed to me like yeah like it would be oh. So you think that's that's some hot stuff right there that you're doing with your tail? Well, <laughs> take a look at this because it it seemed like the monster fights were a bit of a one upping type of scenario where you know anything you can do I can do better. So I was surprised yeah. he didn't he didn't bust that effect out. But uh, but I uh, I I liked the head bobbing in in that level of cheese that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. But but there is the whole aspect of ah, it's not really the way an animal's head ought to move. You know, there should be some vertebrae there that would be stopping it from snapping back quite that far. But, but as I, uh, but you know, I mean, it's because there was a guy's head that only went to here and, and then more head up above it that didn't have any sort of support to it. But, but, uh, but for the cheese aspect, I liked it a lot. But, but you, as I mentioned in the movie, I, I liked his mouth a lot. It was silly, and I approve I, of that. I love the mouth. I love Titanosaurus' mouth. I like how he has a little tongue sticking out <laughs> at the bottom. I don't know what that is, and, and the whole thing where he bites Godzilla on the top lip. It's very was, cute. It's, it's romantic. A, it's a tender moment between <laughs> them. Yeah. It's, uh... Uh, yeah. So uh, anyone else with thoughts on Titanosaurus the monster and like the creature design behind, behind the monster? Or oh, yeah. Sh- 
Yeah. He, he had thunder thighs. Yes, and actually, uh, thunder thighs are a very severe problem in giant monsters from Japan. Uh, they have a lot of downtime. We can <laughs> we can go on a little tour of the of the collection, and I can show you like it big problem in the '90s with Godzilla. But I mean, I think in general, I really like the Titanosaurus design. As I mentioned earlier, like it took Bandai a long, long time to create a toy for Titanosaurus, and when they finally did, I was very excited, and he looks really good. Aside from that, I the Godzilla suit was the same as the last one, except they modified the face. I don't know if you guys noticed, but like his face was a little more kind of scrunched up. And I think they did that in an attempt to make him look maybe meaner or something like that. Maybe like he was more ready to fight. But um, I'm n- not a big fan of that particular suit anyway and that particular puppy dog face. I am not a fan either of the short pug-faced Godzilla yeah, I, that, I remember that this was that Muppet suit. Face, and I was yeah. like, oh, that's right. This is the short-nosed suit. Yes, but it is not the suit with the thunder thighs. True. I actually, okay, so funny story about the, slightly funny story, maybe amusing story about the, the Godzilla suit. Um, I had a Billiken model kit of that of that suit, and I built it up, and I said, ah, oh, cool, now I have something that represents that Godzilla. And it was in my collection until I kind of needed some cash, and then I was like, mm, you're the first to go. I can get a lot of money for you. <laughs> and... I don't like that suit. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan. Um, but listeners to the show who are fans will be ha- very happy to know that next month's Daikaiju discussion movie is Godzilla vs. Megalon, which uses the exact same style for Godzilla. Uh, Mechagodzilla was basically the same, except, as I mentioned during the movie, they, they added like a two on the emblem in his arm. But anyway, final thoughts. You know, even though I I may make comments about story or anything like that, I continue to enjoy all of this, and I enjoy the experiment. The Great Godzilla experiment. Yes, I do. And so, um, I would not recommend this to anyone as a first time Godzilla movie because, um, it's a sequel for one thing. You're not gonna understand what it's all gonna be about, and uh, so you're glad you saw the. Yes. First movie first. I, I am. Yeah, yeah. And and that was a very good precedence that you set with uh, the the uh, cameras with uh, the advent of Legion and all of that, watching all of those in the right sequence. And I'm so. just concerned that, you know, w- these movies are in such a random order, thanks to the randomizing tool. <laughs> and uh, I when when we do something like watch this movie and then, you know, next month we're going to watch Megalon, which was... Not you know this was 1975 and Megalon was 73. I'm just kind of like ah, why did I allow that to happen that way? But <laughs> it did, and I published it, and it's fine. Yeah. So no, the, um, the, very enjoyable. I mean, I I always enjoy coming to watch these. This is like one of the highlights of the month. So that was a good one. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. So excellent. Well, keep up that uh, appreciation, and I'll continue to invite you to these. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, since the list goes until like 2024 or something. No, it's 2015. <laughs> 2017. 15, there we go. My bad. Four more years. Four more years. Four more. <laughs> Should that be the motto for this year? <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> no, because I don't want to end it after that. <laughs> like, I'll have to come up with something else. I, I want to make a shirt with all the movies listed on it and then just slowly like scratch them out. <laughs> so, it could be like a tour shirt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I could have the, the tour shirt. It, yeah, it appeared here. The years next to it with that the it years, appeared. Yeah, with the years next to it after you know after the showing. So. All right. 
I'm down. And People we could have been even have him autograph shirts. it too, just like a tour shirt. Everybody's dying yep. for my autograph, <laughs> you guys. Seriously. Can I get monogram socks? Yeah, yeah. I, we should actually, that should be the first thing we make is well, monogram socks. Because I, I know everyone's been bugging you for those too, right? Yeah. Can they be tall socks? Oh, are, are we are we going to go into a whole like discussion <laughs> of like what the, the first available swag should be from the Kaiju cast? Um, well, you know, uh, if I can ever successfully. Keep it clean. Do <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> you you just took everything out of my mouth. Wind out of your sails. Yeah. Uh, well, Justin, since you're holding the microphone, final thoughts. I don't know if I like Mechagodzilla. I, I don't like the uh, the design of Mechagodzilla. He kind of annoyed me last movie. And he Get out. Kind of annoys me this <laughs> movie. Uh, I liked uh, I liked Cesar. Cesar? King Cesar, yeah. King Cesar in the last movie. I thought that was fun, even with his, uh, his uh, stop sign eyes. But uh, or stoplight eyes, <laughs> reflectors. Yeah, reflectors. Bike reflectors. Um, reflectors. I, would I watch this movie again? Yeah, sure. But it won't go down as one of my favorites. Well, the good news is that even if you would watch this movie again, we have a million other movies to watch. Right, I, I eagerly anticipate next month's feature film to uh, to wash the taste of this one out of my mouth. Yeah. Well, I think. <laughs> I wouldn't say that too soon because the next <laughs> next movie, and I'm sorry to a few people who I know are gonna scream at their iPods or whatever when I when they hear this, but the next movie is my least favorite Godzilla movie of all time. Well, it was still a fun movie. I just I don't I don't know that I, I particularly cared for it. This then the next film we watch here, uh, Megalon, that's gonna be a rip roaring uh, fest of of ribbing. So so is this one where we're going to need a couple silhouettes in the corner of the screen to heckle our way through it? We could probably just like pile up some more cushions and then our own silhouettes would be on the screen. Dibs on the tennis racket head. Okay. All right. Uh, Heather Brask, final thought. I'm probably the biggest fan of this movie in the room, I think. I, uh, I really... I really like the cheese, and I I wear that I keep as a badge. That. I know, but um, I I love me a bad movie. I really do. It's you know a good bad movie. It's, so, do not get me wrong. I I know I and give you add giant guff, monsters and explosions them. and aliens that have faces that rip off for no apparent reason. That's oh, ever we didn't explained talk about to us. that. We didn't talk about that. Um, he wasn't a monkey underneath it. Not a monkey. He was a human all along. Maybe that was what it was. He, he it never was an alien race. It was just some angry people from Detroit or something. But <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Detroit listeners. <laughs> is that like a RoboCop reference? Or is that <laughs> a RoboCop Detroit man? Uh, but yeah. but so. So I I eagerly anticipate the next movie and uh, and I I look forward to to the the thorough ribbing that it sounds like we will give it and and that's that's half the fun for me for these and and if you know I hope I I don't I don't bother anyone in the room with with the ribbing because sometimes I can't help it it just it brings great joy to my heart. If you don't have anything nice to say, <laughs> oh this sit next sorry to me. this is Justin's catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have anything nice to say, comes the next one. Yeah. Uh, talking trash brings great yeah. joy to my life. Well, you know, again, I mean, these watching these movies, it's, it's, it is more fun to me to watch these movies in a setting with my friends than it is just to watch them by myself. Um, doing this on the podcast, I don't want to say forces me to watch these individual films, but like I said, like this one compared to 
any of the ones from the 60s it's just lower on the list lower on the totem pole than some of the some of the other ones and i mean as far as like the bad movies i still really love this movie it's got some amazing things in it i actually personally think that i and i should actually let cindy talk first but uh i think i like the, the last film better than this one because it had more of a um more kind of surprises in it like like that whole thing with godzilla being not godzilla and attacking Angulus, and then godzilla the real godzilla appears and like the this all the, the the dynamic between the monsters and the the story was more enjoyable to me in the 1974 film than it was in this film but i digress cindy final thoughts this one is about, I'd say, in the middle of my list. It it has a definite nostalgia feel for me, and though the next one, yeah, the the next one is going to be MST3K time, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, that one I I have distinct memories of. Most of them are things that I think of them and I go, "Why did they do that?" <laughs> I would agree that that Megalon has many of those moments, but we'll have to save all that for for next month we got more submissions to this movie than i think almost any other film if nobody else has something to add let's hear what those folks had to say jeff wrote in to say that he is a huge 70s godzilla fan and this movie has always been the 70s era crown jewel we get ishiro honda making a great return to the genre with a story though technically a sequel that can still stand on its own legs without any prior knowledge of seeing godzilla versus mechagodzilla uh you're immediately thrust into a story about a new monster, Titanosaurus, which is a wonderful kaiju that truly harkens to the designs of the golden era of the Tohoverse. Katsura is a wonderfully tragic character, unwillingly in league with the black hole aliens, and unlike Kumi Mizuno's femme fatale from Monster Zero, Katsura is essentially an innocent, and her eventual suicide is still one of the most dramatic moments of any Godzilla film, in his opinion. This movie is truly grim and haunting, and Akira Ifukube returns with what he considers to be one of his very best scores. Jonathan wrote in to say that Terror of Mechagodzilla is great and one of his favorites. He likes the suit designs for Mechagodzilla and Titanosaurus, who has always been one of his favorite kaiju. He does wish, however, that Titanosaurus had been more aggressive when he was under the control of the aliens. Bill wrote in to say that Terror of Mechagodzilla is a strange one. He wants to like it, like really, really like it, but this is uh, just comes up a bit short. The model work with the submarines in this film are really awful. All the underwater sequences are just not up to snuff. He likes the design of Titanosaurus, but he never really seems to be a big threat to the to Godzilla. The aliens, uh, here's something that he noticed, and he doesn't know if it fits. Uh, in the previous film, the aliens are revealed to be monkey men, in this sequel, they seem to be more like mutants under the human guise. He was wondering if this is because of the first Planet of the Apes influenced Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, and then beneath Planet of the Apes influenced Terror of Mechagodzilla. This might be a reach, but there it was. And actually, I think I have to agree, man. I think I think you might be right there. So if anyone hasn't seen the Planet of the Apes movies, make sure to check them out, especially because the first one, and I think the second one too, both have... Charlton Heston, who's uh, one of my favorite old actors, even though he's crazy or was crazy. I digress. Getting back to the point, Bill says there's one scene that makes this movie memorable. In his opinion, the greatest Godzilla entrance in the entire series is when Titanosaurus makes his attack. The music swells and Godzilla's silhouette is revealed against the city. He still gets goosebumps just 
thinking about it. But despite that, it just isn't enough. At this point in the series, taking a rest for eight years was probably the best idea they had had in a decade. Robert wrote in to say that Terror of Mechagodzilla scared him more than any of the other Godzilla movies when he was a kid, and as an adult, he found it still one of the most disturbing. The two-on-one relentless attack on the Big G was a building chorus of suspense in this dark kaiju film. Uh, If they're going to bring back a villain for Godzilla to fight in the upcoming 2012 movie, he'd love to see a a reimagined version of Titanosaurus. Maybe give him a new roar, though, because... uh, He found that cackle annoying. Greg uh, wrote in to say that he watched Terror of Mechagodzilla the night after watching Gamera the Brave. While uh, that aimed for a more human, emotional, and realistic tone, Terror was a sharp contrast to that and being like all lasers and cackling mad scientists and evil spacemen and silly costumes. He loved the mad Asian uh, Einstein look and the white fright wig and was amazed that he actually did the uh, they all laughed at me, but I'll show them monologue and uh, complete with the insane laughter. He also notes poor Titanosaurus, the only non-violent giant monster turned by evil spacemen with cool sunglasses and then killed off by Godzilla. So unfair. He had a heap of fun with this movie and can definitely imagine a 1970s cinema full of yelling Japanese kids having a ball with the flick. Robert broke it down like this. Things I love about Terror of Mechagodzilla. Cheesy dialogue. Mechagodzilla is no match for Titanosaurus. Titanosaurus has brains and he's alive. And um, even though you're a cyborg, I still love you, Katsura. Uh, Aliens wearing shiny Lycor uniforms and goofy-looking helmets with flying handlebars on them. Lots of evil laughter. The last half hour is one colossal monster battle. And a reprise of Glenn's Lament and a similar scene from Invasion of Astro Monster when Katsura is shot. No, you shot my robot girlfriend. And a reprise of a similar scene from Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla when Godzilla twists off Mechagodzilla's head. This time it doesn't work and Godzilla's like, oh, snap. Uh, things he didn't like so much, that annoying warble Titanosaurus makes that sounds like somebody's stepping on an elephant's trunk. And uh, while he gives respect for Ifukube's work in this, or his body of work, the score in this film is just plodding. Bob wrote in to say that there's no terror like the terror of Mechagodzilla. And on a weird grammatical note, he's always found the title a mite confusing. Does it refer to the terror that Mechagodzilla causes, or somehow this is about the terror Mechagodzilla feels, <laughs> which would be awesome, by the way, just just to throw that out there, Mechagodzilla feeling terror. Uh, the film has a distinct feeling of melancholy about it, a sense, as it were, the uh, of things ending, of chances not taken that are now gone forever, that the female lead dies at the end by her own hand so that Godzilla can defeat Mechagodzilla doesn't lighten the mood very much, and at the end, we... We see the survivors of the film watch Godzilla wade back into the sea where he would remain until 1984. He adds that it could be because we know that this was the last of the original series and the last Godzilla film Honda would direct and the last Godzilla film that Akiko Hirata would act in. That maybe adds to the sense of melancholy, but it is a rather bleak story. The new dinosaur, Titanosaurus, is forgettable and indeed has never been seen again. The effects, while obviously done on a budget, are more carefully done than films like Megalon, and uh, he's always loved the first Mechagodzilla reveal where we pan upwards and see the robots surrounded by a flash of arc welding and other repairs being made. Toho must have loved this too because it's been used in every single uh, Mechagodzilla film we've sen- seen since. And then he notes, really, how about a Mecha Mothra or a Mecha something else? Overexposure can kill. 
So side note on my part here, over the years, I've seen fan drawings of other mecha monsters that were never used in a Godzilla film. A few of them showed up on magazine covers like Uchisen. Somewhere around here, I'm pretty sure I actually have a, uh, a cover with a mecha Mygene, which is pretty awesome looking, um, although somewhat ridiculous. And I know I've never, I know I've seen like a mecha Mothra somewhere. Okay, side note over. Every time Sean sees the film, it brings back warm, fuzzy memories of when he watched it during a New Year's Day marathon on Channel 13, hosted by an actor in a Michelangelo costume from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The same marathon was also his introduction to the first Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and War of the Gargantuas. So it was a very long time ago, and uh, one of the few things he remembers from his childhood. Although he doesn't enjoy this one as much as the previous story, he loves the film tremendously. It epitomizes the wackiness of the 70s Showa-era Godzilla films, continuing a plot device that uh, that was first seen in the previous Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, where Godzilla just seems to sort of appear out of nowhere when Japan is under attack by a bad monster. Jose notes that this is another enjoyable Godzilla movie to own and uh, watch. It was an interesting to see a new monster, Titanosaurus, appear in this movie. The look of Godzilla, Mechagodzilla, and Titanosaurus was done really well. The plot was interesting, seeing that this was a sequel from Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. Scott wrote in to say that Terror of Mechagodzilla is one of his favorites. It's not one of the best films, but it features a couple of his favorite moments in Godzilla history. Moment number one is uh, with an all-out attack on the big guy, they bury him alive. Moment number two is right after Godzilla digs himself out of that grave, and right before he starts his attack on Mechagodzilla, he takes a moment to brush the dirt off his shoulders, proof once again that the big guy is the true... OG. Jay-Z would be proud. Mark wrote in to say that this is one of the first Godzilla films he ever saw way back in the early 90s, so he has a soft spot for it. It was nice to finally see it in widescreen and in Japanese, and to see Honda and Ifukube return to the series. The low budget of the 70s films is still pretty obvious, but he likes the darker tone. And on the negative side, Godzilla is off-screen for, like, way too long. When he does finally appear, he makes a great entrance. Mechagodzilla is one of the more exciting Godzilla adversaries, and uh, the scenes where he teams up with Titanosaurus are definitely fun to watch. Titanosaurus himself was an interesting design, but his roar had me turning down the volume on my TV whenever he was on screen. I uh, wouldn't get into his top 10, but it's a fun entry and among the best in the 70s Godzilla movies. Ryan knows that this movie gets a lot of love because of Honda's return to the franchise, but it never really clicked with him. If Fukube's fantastic score and Honda's directing sensibilities tend to mute the energy of what is uh, still basically a 70s Fukuda slash Sato style film, while not bad by any means, he thinks it's weaker than the previous Mechagodzilla film. All right. Well, I'm really impressed with the amount of submissions that we got this month. I'm interested to see how many we'll get for next month's assignment, which is Godzilla vs. Megalon. This one is technically available on DVD, but the quality just is not very high. Mostly, it's been released under the assumption that the film is still a public domain title. Um, I think we'll be watching the subtitled version here but there's a slight chance that I might buy the Australian um, Madman release, which is a Region 4 DVD. Regardless, if you, uh, you want to have your thoughts, questions, and reviews included in the March Daikaiju discussion, just make sure you email controller at kaijucast.com before the last week of the month. I'm going to take a little break here and play something for Jonathan from the Super Godzilla NES soundtrack before we come back for the news segment.
United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. All right, so you guys might be a little bit sick of hearing me talk about this new Godzilla series from um, IDW Publishing called Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters, but I can't help it, man. I am really kind of excited for this series. I, if you have not seen the massive list of the 80 different comic shop crushing variants for Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters, uh, issue one, uh, they have an article on Bleeding Cool. I'll have a link in the show notes to that. And it like basically features every single variant cover of issue one. Speaking of those variant covers, Bob Johnson of SciFiJapan.com just posted an interview with artist Matt Frank about the cover process and some details about his involvement in the upcoming comics. Make sure you follow the link in the show notes to that because it is awesome. USA Today posted an article a couple of days ago about uh, Gareth Edwards directing the 2012 Godzilla. There's not really anything new in the article, but there's a little bit more information uh, about his love for the original Godzilla franchise. Um, I should have mentioned this in the last show, but apparently Toho is suing Honda for using a Godzilla-like monster in their new Odyssey commercial. Now, in all seriousness, I have watched the commercial like four or five times, and it is not Godzilla. It's a fire-breathing monster, which, in my opinion, is completely lame, and it totally smacks of the ridiculous claims that Toho likes to make, saying that uh, that is helping you know, someone sell a product. Like, we're going to sit there and watch the commercial and go, Oh, dude! That's Godzilla. I totally need that car. And it's um it's pretty ridiculous, especially when it's not actually Godzilla, it's just a fire it's fire breathing monster. It's more like if somebody wanted to sue Honda because they were the inventor of a dragon. If Toho were smart, they would like totally cut this nonsense out of their standard practice, especially if you're going to actually allow companies to use your creation legitimately in stupid ads for like antacids and wine. I'll have a link in the show notes uh to the ad on YouTube, and an article about the whole fiasco. That is really all for the news segment. Additionally, Emerald City Comic Con is next weekend. They've been adding guests and artists and events like crazy, not to mention there's a new app for mobile devices called The Conventionist, um, which is actually a lot like the Comic Con app, where you can take uh, panels and events that you want to go to and sort of add them to your own personal schedule so you, you can have that available at a glance on your mobile device. And also, I'm a member of the 501st, as many of you guys know, which is a Star Wars costuming group. And there is a panel called Geekdom and Good Works on Sunday, and they wanted a representative from the 501st, and I said I'd do it. So if you're interested, uh, there's going to be 501st, Rebel Legion, and the Browncoats are going to be there as well. That's the Firefly costuming group. The Emerald City website just posted a schedule for celebrity photo ops. So if you're one of those people that needs to get a really nice photo of you with, say, like, the chat, make sure they check out that schedule. Um, other updates since we last spoke include a... Oh, include Geek Ambassador Will Wheaton being added as a guest Dark Horse has also announced a con-exclusive BPRD Hell on Earth comic. Not to mention that if you're a BPRD fan or a Hellboy fan, you need to know that the entire creative team is going to be at that show. So I'm sure there's going to be some kind of agency involvement. Wink, wink. Also, uh, Rain Wilson, who you probably know as Dwight Schrute on The Office, will be part of a panel about the new film Super with director James Gunn on Saturday. Seriously, 
there are like way too many additional artists and guests to name and events and exclusives just to rattle off on this podcast. So just check out the Emerald City Comic Con website for more information about the show, which is next weekend. All right. I am... I think I'm spent. I'm, I'm done for this month. We're going to close out the show with my standard monologue. If you found the podcast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, make sure you visit kaijucast.com to catch up on both current and previous shows. Vote in the current polls. Check out the listing of Daikaiju discussion films. And of course, check out the show notes, suggested reading, and the full info on the music I've played in this episode. As always, I do love hearing from everybody. So if you'd like to request a song or make a comment, if it's positive or negative, uh, reply to something I said point out an error or simply supply your thoughts for the next uh, next month's homework assignment just send an email to controller at kaijucast.com the kaijucast is also on Facebook and Twitter both links can be found on the website on the right hand side and uh, as a final treat for February I am going to leave you with a uh, interesting song from this band called Anvil a heavy metal band from the 80s it's a song called Mothra and I highly suggest uh, if you listen to it and you're interested in it, you should find lyrics on um, on Google because it doesn't seem like they've actually seen seen the movie. But here we go. Mothra from Anvil. I'll see you guys next month. Jamata.
Godzilla, right? Superman beats them all. 